Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Mind Blown Zone. This is titled Belief Imprinting. Uh, this is going to be a really awesome one. Uh, this is Brad's baby. So I'm going to hand it right over to him and let him to let him uh, introduce the topic for us. How are you, Brad? Never better yourself. Doing really well. Appreciate you asking. Fantastic. So yeah, this is this is part of my series of uh, reasons people are hesitant or refuse to look at certain things that might not be true. And the idea is belief imprinting. What what we mean by that is that uh, to be very clear, our first belief on a topic or a subject is obviously the most lasting of of all beliefs, and it's these are the hardest ones to release. We'll talk about several examples of that in today's podcast. But the idea is that that it's when your first belief, that's your established belief on something, very, very hard to examine it and even harder to let go of it. Causes a lot of this thing we call cognitive dissonance out there. But in reality, right, this is this is a bridge to self-discovery, which is what we're all about in this podcast. And one of the biggest parts of self-discovery is truthful identification of reality, right? You, the, the better you understand reality, the better you understand yourself. So if you're believing lies and they go deep and they stretch way back to our childhood, the more you believe these lies, the harder it is to recognize your true self. So these are really important ideas to get across. Is that, uh, that making sense, Matt? Yep. Totally on your page. So with that in mind, what we're trying to do here is build some core ideas as to why people are resistant to investigating whether or not they think the things they believe are true or not. And so there's a few barriers to this, right? We talked about this in, I think, our second episode is blind belief in authority. So people will outsource their own common sense, reckoning, uh, and ability to understand something to the authorities. Talked all about that. You know, another thing that commonly people will say when presented with an idea that challenges an early belief is that too many other people would have to be lying. They'd have to be in on telling this lie. And what they don't realize, of course, is that we've all been deceived, even the authorities. Uh, and that goes along with how can so many, how can we possibly be right when so many and so many experts be wrong? This is this all tied together. Uh, another one of the points is this herd mentality, safety in numbers, believing the popular opinion, right? It's understandable that people want to stay in that safety zone where the majority believes. So that's another barrier to, to uh, grasping what we're getting at here today. And that's belief imprinting. So Can I add in some um, practical beliefs. application of this even? Because I, I imagine like what a lot of our listeners are trying to do is like convince other people, like, like, like convince themselves that things are true, but also convince other people that things that they know are true. You know, convince their friends and family that it's true as well, right? And they notice that their friends and family come up with, oh, no, it's not because this reason, you know, and that. And what you're going to be able to do now is you're going to know in advance that whomever you're trying to convince has an imprint of, you know, some event that's, you know, occurred very early in their life, probably that has told them why something's true, right? And it's not because they objectively observed something and did a scientific experiment or did research or anything like that. It's just, there's this powerful experience has just gone boom. And they're like, absolutely. That's the way it is. So, right. you know, they might not even be aware of it, but in the background, that thing is controlling their thoughts. Okay. So this is going to give you a lot of, a lot of kind of, I don't really want to say power, but like, it's going to give you the ability to, you know, help them get closer to the truth, knowing what's going on in the background of their mind while you're talking to them. Right. That's a, it's, you know, it's, you can almost call it a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Right, that kicks off before anything else, and you know this belief imprinting idea is one of the primary reasons why people 
don't ever come around to alternative or conspiracy theory explanations of reality because there's just no way that that early belief could possibly be wrong, right? Their parents told them about it, their teachers, their friends, everywhere they turned, everybody agreed that this particular topic or subject was the truth. Yes. Right. And it's got a very strong energetic charge of truth to it, right? It's there first, it's established, it just feels true. That's right. The first one is the deepest, most deep-seated belief that we have without question. And and I came to that because, you know, I thought I've been thinking about this, believe me, for a number of years. I love that quote. I bring it up all the time from Mark Twain, even though really Mark Twain didn't officially say it, but the quote is, mm-hmm. it's easier to fool someone than to convince them they've been fooled. So there's it's like a double whammy that, the, you know, most people have been fooled that Mark Twain said that. He actually said something very similar, but he didn't say those exact words. Uh, but he's, uh, he gets more credit than anybody else for, you know, for slick, clever you know, pithy comments. So it's great, great, great quote. But I've wondered, why is it easier to fool someone than convince them they've been fooled? And I arrived at this idea, which I haven't seen anybody else really talk about. I'm sure, you know, psychologists and others have, have delved into this, but you know, not in this, you know, this kind of this alternative independent media realm that we're embarking upon. Make sense? Oh, yeah. So this is the reason I think it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them they've been fooled. That's it. Uh, you want to do the definition bit here? Where yeah, I mean, as I already mentioned, like the, the the first belief, it gives it this really strong energetic charge, right? It's it's like got immense power, like more power than you coming along twenty years later after someone's already had that and trying to you know say a few words, right? It's just like the energy of your argument is like a leaf in a hurricane compared to the the strength of what they've got in there okay so that's why it takes an extraordinary amount of conflicting information to upset this initial belief so people take such a strong imprint that it's difficult to even contemplate the possibility okay that they could be wrong the longer the initial belief is held the more validation slash confirmation that has bolstered the belief and the more difficult it is to dislodge the belief. Okay, so we're we're dealing with something that's like as strong as like a galactic empire ruling their <laughs> mind, right? Like <laughs> you're gonna take, you're galactic gonna try empire. to take that on. Okay, I was reading some Star Wars today. <laughs> right, that's a you know that's a great point added there too. It's what not only is it that initial belief, but it's the length of time that you've held that belief that makes it all the mm-hmm. more difficult to dislodge. Right, because you're going around um, seeing validation for it everywhere, just gets ingrained. Well, yeah. If you've been, you know, if you're 30 years old, you've most of these beliefs we're going to cover today. You've you've held them for 25 years, right? Just add 10 right. for your age. Right? <laughs> you know, as soon as you were five, four, five, six, seven years old, all these belief imprints were were uh, downloaded into your consciousness, and you know, nothing has nothing has arisen to upset most of those unless you've been hanging out in the alternative slash conspiracy communities for a good while. Mm-hmm. So shall we look at examples? Please, let's do it. So we're going to start with two like really simple examples that are like not, um, you know, politically charged or scientifically charged or religiously charged or anything like that. They're like just, you know, super basic examples just so you get the idea, right? Uh, so these are your examples, Brad. So why don't you introduce them? Well, I start, of course, with the duckling. Most everybody's familiar with this idea that when you know a baby duckling chick is you know first hatched out of the egg, within 24 hours it imprints to whatever is around it and taking care of it. So obviously, you know, if a human is there and, and the mother duck is not, then the duckling for the rest of its life will follow the human around as its mother. It has taken 24 hours to imprint and you, there's no changing that duckling around for the rest of its life it thinks the human is its mother yeah makes sense oh yeah yeah i think that one's uh, pretty pretty crystal clear everybody agrees with that one that's the idea is this how this imprint sets in very early and quickly and it's uh, for a duckling it's all but impossible to shake off 
So yeah. the next example, of course, is uh, everybody's favorite Santa Claus. And I, I certainly have a personal story around this, which goes straight to it. But, you know, it's it's after you got Christmas presents for however many years, right? You believed in Santa Claus, three, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, to find out that there is no Santa Claus is a really difficult moment. And it was for me. Uh, you know, you probably, the first time someone told you about it, you, pro- you know, if it wasn't your parents sitting you down, explaining it to you, but you heard it, I heard it from a, the coolest kid on the playground in uh, third grade. And uh, I, you know, staunchly argued with them and told them there's no way my parents would lie to me about something like this, uh, only to find out that uh, that's exactly what happened. So I kind of had to eat some humble pie that next day with the uh, with the cool kid. So this is a, a great example of how uh, that belief imprint, right, is struck. And ha- had my parents told me that Santa Claus was real, then I would have stuck with them and uh, not the kid on the playground that told me otherwise. I remember uh, Virginia at school, like when she found, when we told her that the Easter bunny wasn't real, real she just freaked out. She's like, yeah, it's very upsetting. Mental breakdown. Very, very upsetting. Uh, I mean, it was for me. I just couldn't wait to get home and find out. You know, I thought for <laughs> sure I was, I was right. No doubt about it. So, <laughs> It was obviously it was the belief was dislodged when my parents told me the whole story, but it was you know, not an easy, whatever, eight hours or whatever between when the kid told me and when I found out the actual truth, <laughs> right? It was right. bothering is that me the day that you, whole day. Is that the day you decided you'd find out the truth about everything? <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish I was that early of a bloom. No, that day was uh, much more recent than third grade for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. So we drop it. Go ahead. I'll do this intro. And so we're, we're, we're going to give some more advanced examples this time, right? So we're going to give you some examples of like common beliefs, right? And common beliefs that, you know, people have about scientific things, about mm, metaphysical things, kind of like historical things, right? We'll, when we'll talk about the imprints that created these beliefs, we'll talk about the models and the understandings that are associated with the beliefs. And we'll talk about how these beliefs and scientific models are being challenged right now. Okay. Uh, and how even through though the challenges have a lot of good points, like people are just instantly dismissing them. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of arguments going on in society right now where people are coming along and saying, this thing that people have believed for centuries is a total lie, you know, and they've got a whole bunch of facts to point at, you know, observables and say, look, look, here's the evidence, here's the evidence, here's the evidence. But when you present it, when they present it to people, people are like, no, my ears are blocked. It can't be right. Right? So we're going to give examples of those. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, I really enjoy this part. It's super cool. Uh, do you want to go for dinosaurs, Brad? Oh, I think that's you. You're the dino guy. You go for it. I'm the dino guy. Okay, so <laughs> dinosaurs, right? By the way, I think we should just preface this. Like, our, you know, what we're trying to do here, we're not trying to say, you know, we're going to introduce four topics. We're not trying to prove any of these topics. Okay. We're, we're just pointing out the discussion in society. Okay. And use, just to use as exam, examples, right? So, dinosaurs, right? So, here, here's the imprint for dinosaurs, right? Okay. Well, you're five years old and your parents put on the land before time. Or some other cartoon with dinosaurs. And it's like, whoa, dinosaurs, right? It's like the pictures and, you know, animated uh, video things of dinosaurs. It's like all these different types of dinosaurs. And it was, you know, millions and millions of years ago. And that's just how things were back then, right? So you're like, oh, yeah. And, you know, you there's like cereal boxes and there's like dinosaurs in the cereal boxes. Parents talk about dinosaurs. It's like kids you know, books and magazines. I, I used to like subscribe to this like magazine that would come out every month and it would be like all about dinosaurs and come with like this glow in the dark, uh, you know, fragment of a dinosaur that you had to like put together. And by the end of like 24 months or something, you got this big uh, Tyrannosaurus glow in the dark kind of thing. Right. So it's just like, obviously you're a kid and you're like, yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah. Obviously that everyone knows like dinosaurs. Right. 
So obviously this is not some direct observation of dinosaurs, right? This is, this is a belief imprint of dinosaurs, okay? So the reason most people believe in dinosaurs is for this, okay? That, that's why people live in believe in dinosaurs. People are not going out and digging up dinosaur fossils and being like, oh, look, dinosaur fossils, right? They have these imprints. Maybe another imprint is you go to the museum and it's like, whoa, look at that. A big, uh, big dinosaur at the museum, okay? So, the, the model, right, behind that is that there were these dinosaurs 65 plus million years ago, and they roamed the earth, right? Think about how long ago that is, like 65 million years. And it's like, yeah, that, that's what it was. It's like, the, it's like before time, you know, before there were men. There were dinosaurs, and this is what they looked like. They don't have feathers. They do have feathers, right? And there's all these funny shapes, and there's the ones that were carnivores and herbivores and the flying dinosaurs and the underwater dinosaurs and like this whole world of dinosaurs, okay? Like, and that's just how it was. And then the dinosaurs, who knows? Maybe it was a volcanic eruption, maybe a meteor, but the dinosaurs went extinct. And now their bones are buried underground and we can find some of them as fossils. And this is, this is like, the, like the story of dinosaurs, okay? That's the model, all right? Okay, well, let me tell you what I discovered about, about this that is being presented as a challenge these days, okay? There's this guy called Sir Richard Owen, okay? He lived 20th of July, 1804 to 18 December, 1892, okay? Now, if you look up this guy, he literally looks like a dinosaur. Make of that what you will. Look up a picture of him. You'll see he looks like a dinosaur. Um, now, at the time that this guy was an academic professor, there had been about three dinosaur fossils discovered. Okay. And when I say dinosaur fossils, I'm talking about a tooth, a part of a thigh bone, and a, and a, a scraping of a, a, of a forearm or something like that. Like, like literally just like partial fossils that could be anything. Okay. And if you look at them, they're like, uh, what is that? Okay. And based on this minimal amount of evidence, he created the entire model of dinosaurs that we know today. Wrote a book about it, and it's like the complete description. Oh, yeah, there were these ancient reptilians this many million years ago. They were this size. There were, for example, this dinosaur, that dinosaur, this dinosaur, that dinosaur. Wrote it all in a book, and literally, that's just basically exactly what we believe. So somehow, this one guy got it all right in one with just after three fossils, you just got the whole model correct. Okay. And then boom, that's how it is. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> and this has been challenged today. People are saying, hold on, hold on a second. Is this real? They're saying, do we have any proof that these are really dinosaur fossils? Why is it that people don't dig these dinosaur fossils up in their own backyard, but it's always like professors who are archaeologists who have a vested interest in dinosaurs that find these things. Why, why were all those dinosaur fossils found in England, right? And people are throwing a lot of shade on this whole model and pointing out how weird it is. So that's the challenge. And then we get to the part of the reaction. So why don't, why don't you uh, do this part, Brad? Like uh, ask the audience like what, how they reacted to this. Well, most people that have never been exposed to this before are beside themselves of course because this is yeah ridiculous. like matt cook's an idiot right matt matt and brad are idiots and i just like to point out one little additional here part of the challenge before i do this that that as far as i'm aware no culture civilization you know native tribe and all all prior to 1870 or whenever this started had ever found any of these dinosaur bones ever anywhere Never, never. So that's pretty doggone head scratching, if you ask me. Uh, that seems not only improbable, that seems impossible. But this is, we're going to go right to it here. Obviously, we're not spending time on this, but after hearing this, 
I can almost guarantee that anyone who's never heard this idea before, they're going to need mountains of evidence to upset their belief imprint, right? right. They're going to need, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about the museums? What about the models? What about this? What about that? They're going to go on and on and on and on. What about archaeologists? And they're just, it's going to be, right? It's going to take a tremendous amount of information to sway mm-hmm. most people's beliefs. I mean, yep. that's, you know, how I would have reacted first time I heard this. What about, what about, what about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what about this? Yeah. But, it, but it's all just, all the what about is not really sci- on a scientific investigation. It's just, but my feeling of the imprint tells me that they're real and you're upsetting that. <laughs> right. right. And, and what's important, what's even more important, per- perhaps, is that if you can't answer all the, it's like, say, imagine you're sitting down talking with a friend and you bring this up, right? If you can't defend and answer all their questions, all their what about questions, then you, let's say you can, def- you know, you can answer 19 of them, but there's one you can't answer. You, you can bet your, per- your friends and say, yeah, I, I knew you were, you weren't right about this. It's, that's totally wrong, right? Cause you were, you were 19 out of 20 is all you could get. It's like, you have to become mm-hmm. an expert on every challenge to the topic before you can make any headway with somebody. A, a fascinating situation. That's, that's why it's harder to, harder to convince someone they've been fooled. Mm-hmm. Well, how about we do the next one? Yeah, knock it out. You're, you want me to do it? Or I, I, I was going to take uh, the last You take two, this one. You? All right, oh, you, well, you wanted we'll to take the last two, did you? If, if you're no, going to take you, the last two, all right. I'll do this. I'll do this one and the next one. You can do the last one. So we'll do it that sure way. Sure thing. Uh, so this, our next example here is the infamous gravity, right? So of course the imprint is why do things that go up always fall down? And another one is why can't I fly? But birds can. These are questions most of us asked our parents, perhaps our teachers or our friends. And in all cases, Right? We had 100% trust in what they told us. Another example, of course, is television programming for kids, right? They're, they would obviously talk about this idea. That's why we, we couldn't play Superman or jump off roofs or all the cool things we thought we might be able to do when we were little kids. So this is the, again, all of these examples are early life imprints. And for the record, we're not saying that what goes up doesn't come down. We agree that there is a gravitational effect. Nobody's denying that this exists. So I just want to make that very clear. So the model here is all celestial bodies in space are these solid spheroids with mass and that mass attracts other mass. They're fundamental precepts of this thing called gravity. And you can calculate the force between these two masses with a gravitational formula. So this is a what we call a mathematical model that has been made to make this appear to work. And also we fall down because the earth has such tremendous mass that it pulls our minuscule mass, our body, back to the center of mass. That is the gravitational model. Make sense? Oh, well, they always make sense. The models are always uh, perfectly sensual, sense-making. All right. I guess I got ahead of myself. So yeah, we, we agree. Everything goes up, must fall down. No, there's no dispute. The problem with gravity as a thing, stressing that word thing, is that nobody to this very day, April 2023, has actually found this thing called gravity. It cannot be seen, measured, well, measured in the sense that there's no thing doing anything. Right. So the this the is cau- very... causative thing cannot be seen or directly measured, right? Observed or right. directly measured. And by seen, we, have, of course, include looking you know, through an electron microscope to find these things. So there's, what, we, what we're left with is that there's this mysterious force, right? out there in the world, in the universe, that's keeping things together, but we don't know what the, 
a force is not a thing, right? There's something has to be doing something and nobody has yet discovered it. Right. So, I mean, I did engineering as a degree. So none of this, you know, mathematics is like complicated to me or anything. I have no lack of understanding of how gravity, the gravity model works or anything like that. Uh, right. So, you know, I, I know all about that, right? But what I also know is that no scientist has ever observed a graviton, right? <laughs> There's no That's observation a of thing. a graviton. This is a theory. Right. We can observe the effect. We can call it a force. But no one's ever observed the thing supposedly causing the force, right? And so why that's a challenge is people saying, well, if there's not a thing causing the force, you guys say it's mass, but you know, we give you mass to look at, but you can't find the thing in the mass. Like if, if the, if the effect comes because of the mass, you should be able to find the thing in the mass causing the force, right? You should be able to find the gravitons in, in the mass. So people are saying, well, maybe mass doesn't attract. Maybe it doesn't work like that. Maybe it works in a different way. And we don't really know why things fall down, but maybe this whole story about mass attracting mass isn't real. There's no experiment that can be done that demonstrates this. Right? Of course, the argument is is because the Earth's mass is so great, right? you can't you can't exclude it from your experiment, right? Here on Earth. I like to point out. I don't. I think Matt doesn't like this one, but I'm going to point it out anyway. Is that we're, we're also told that space is a void. It's empty. There's nothing in it. No things are in space. Yet somehow, we're told that the gravity of the sun is pulling us, holding us in orbit, holding us to it. But what what are these things? Where are these things? Gravity things that are causing this to happen. How can Who they, said I didn't like that? Well, you you brought up the you know the idea of the photon, so you know the sun light traveling through space. But obviously, maybe you're remembering like, something I said months ago. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. So you do like it. So the point is, is if there is this tremendous force holding the Earth in orbit with the sun, then there has to be something in space that's causing this force, right? Right. But so it, it, there's a contradiction. You can't reconcile this. Either space is a void or there's this, there are things in space called gravity thingies and space is not a void. Which one is it? I think I yeah, remember yeah. my objection to that, but I mean, it's not really in the belief imprinting thing. So we'll discuss it when we get more into this topic. <laughs> so anyway, it's a, it's a long discussion to, now get somebody you know, to explain to somebody what we think it probably is and mm -hmm. we aren't obviously don't have time to, to get to that today but i've you know i've run this by you know dozens maybe hundreds of people and uh you know the the look of disbelief disdain from some people is almost universal one or the other but let's you know quiz the audience here what is what's your reaction to this idea that there is no thing called gravity how do you think they feel Matt? well uh, the thing i wrote down is like the reaction is that is so stupid you must be stupid to suggest something like that you must I, not understand gravity and my, my response to that is i understand the model of gravity as well as anyone you know <laughs> This right. is a trivial, trivial idea, right? Right. It's a, it's a model. It's a mathematical model, and it works, right? There's, nobody's denying that the mathematical model of gravity yeah. works. 9.8 meters it's per a, second. Yeah, it's on, a model. on and on, right? They observed a lot of things, and they made a model to fit the observations. What we're, right. What is being disputed is whether it's actually a force of gravity like 
you know, the underlying thing. They're, they're modeling the effects, but they're saying the cause is that mass attracts mass, but that is not uh, observable, directly not observable. observable. Right. It's not observable. It's not provable. And we're not going to dive into the Cavendish experiment, but that's a, a ridiculous thing to run to some guy in you know, 1840 in England worked it all out in his barn, but nobody can duplicate it today. <laughs> no, yeah. thanks. That is not at all the proof, but here we are. And, you know, to this day, people are fighting this, uh, with tremendous zeal and it's understandable. It's a deep, deep, deep early belief imprint. And to mm-hmm. question that seems like an absolute absurdity. All right. So, what well, is your favorite, Brad? This is my favorite. So I have become an unwilling expert on the following topic, and we're going to do a, a at least one podcast, try to encapsulate it all into the, our explanation. But this is this next topic is viruses. Of course, the imprint happens to all of us. You know, these contagious diseases, you know, within our families or our classmates, we've all been through it. You know, colds and flus chicken pox, measles, mumps, whooping cough, on and on and on. Uh, everybody has been taught that the reason they caught the cold or the flu or the chicken pox was that there was, of course, an, an invisible, impossible to see, uh, you know, damage-causing, sickness-causing thing called a virus. And we get that explained to us by our parents friends or teachers, just like all the rest. So it's just an early, early belief imprint. Mm-hmm. So the model for these lovely little things that I like to call unicorn viruses, by the way, these are- So you these, gave those uh, examples. Uh, I didn't just miss here, did you? Did you mention chicken pox, scalds, flus, whooping cough? I did. Oh, sorry, sorry. I must've just been thinking ahead and <laughs> zoned out. I'm sorry. Tuned it out. All good. So- these are these uh, unicorn viruses are supposed to be these microscopic nanoscopic germs. We'll, we'll deal with that word today. They're invisible, but they flip some of some viruses, right? Not all, spread from person to person through the air. And what they're alleged to do, even though I'm not going to go there, that what they're alleged to do is they're able to get into our bodies invade ourselves. They don't have a brain or a, a will <laughs> or right, a heart or but somehow they're able to invade, trick ourselves right, into replicating more of them. This is the story. Uh, it, when you really dive deep down into this, you'll begin to see the ridiculousness of this claim. Uh, but, you know, others transmit through, you know, blood, you know, through the skin, you know, there's, there's a lot of different alleged you know vectors of transmission some of these other ones and of course we're taught that we have a thing called an immune system which has to defend us against these and defeat them and that's the only way we're able to survive these attacks these yeah we're like at war with the evil outside trying to get into our bodies and uh kill us (laughs) right germ warfare is what we can call that right a lot of the different systems of warfare we're under. Germ warfare is one of them. So, of course, you know, your way to defend yourself is, of course, to get the, uh, the vaccine, the cow <laughs> shot, as it were. So, now we get to the challenge aspect of this. And again, this is, we just can only briefly touch on this today, but I'll start by saying that there is no thing or entity that's ever been found in the real world called a virus, like in the, in the fluids and tissues of a sick person, for example, nobody, no virologist, microbiologist, or scientist can find this thing. They have to be manufactured through a couple of different methods and what's manufactured. I contend that there is, it's just basically cellular particulates, broken down cells. Uh, so further, because of some ingenious uh, telescope inventors whose lives have been destroyed, therefore their technology is not in use today, 
no one even has the opportunity to see this alleged process of the cell, you know, attaching to the or the virus attaching to the cell receptor and breaking into the interior of the cell and then replicating itself. So nobody, you can't watch this happen today, right? With with modern technology that's used in labs. So this is this is something that is uh, alleged, but it's not provable. Uh, and lastly. You know, I'll just say that there are explanations. It would be a whole different podcast to go through these uh, that explain what is actually happening. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people about this, and they don't they don't see any other possibility other than a virus. This belief imprint is that deep mm-hmm. that they cannot Im- imagine any other possibility, which is fascinating. Right. I, yeah. I may have been in that spot too, right? It did because how else could it happen? You know, my wife came home and she was sick, and two days later, I, I was got sick. sick. Right? How else? Yeah. What else could it have been? So yeah. it's a really, really, really difficult thing to accept. No question about it. The first time you hear about it, it's absolutely impossible to accept it. I I agree. I certainly didn't accept the idea the first time I heard it. So, Ryan, you know the. Perhaps one of the one of the biggest reactions you get from people is, you know, well, you're an idiot because I know viruses are real because of, you know, countless stories of me, my friends, my coworkers passing and catching the virus. So that's the, that's the end for some people. There's no mm-hmm. need to delve into this one any further because they're certain that this is what's happened. And I guess I already hit that that one there where this, you know, there's no other possibility for why I got sick. And lastly, right, the reaction, if people go a little bit deeper with this, is there's just no way all these expert virologists could be wrong. Somebody would have spoken out by now. Mm-hmm. And actually, there is one person that did. <laughs> so any, uh, any added comments or thoughts on, on the great virus? illusion sure oh yeah see like when when you're trying to you know point out the inconsistencies in some scientific model that is uh you know accepted by the mainstream you know they're they're going to come back at you and say you know i know that what you're saying is false because of this reason right or this expert said something right or you know it's like blah 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 blah. what about blah 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 what about what about blah, blah 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 but like what we're really trying to convey here is that they're giving you these objections that sound like logical, right? And scientific, but that's not what's driving their objection. Okay. The, what's driving their objection is the energetic charge and the just, you know, sp- you know the spiritual imprint. almost <laughs> imprint that's gone into the brain or, or, or into the being. All right. And that, that, that is like this energetic charge of truth that's just living within them. And what you're trying to put in is like this, you know, counter kind of like energy to to that. And it's like, okay, so the imprint is very strong energetically. All right. So don't get bogged down in arguing all the scientific facts. Okay. All right. Should I get into the, the big one? There aren't any. I, I just want to say that what, getting over the, the germ theory and the virus thing is a tremendous step towards taking one's power back, by the way. Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. Wipes out, wipes out a whole big, giant wave of deep fear imprinting that we all have. And probably no more <laughs> obvious than the last three years what uh, what's happened around the world. So, yeah, let's jump to the next. What we got? Sure. Uh, so what do we got here? We got the uh, the globe, the globe model. So something that was huge on YouTube these days is like flat Earth model people versus globe Earth model people, right? So the the globe Earth model people have the established, you know, high ground because that's like the accepted mainstream model, right? And you know, there's this imprint that goes with that because when you're a kid. You, know, you go to the beach probably, and you see the ships sail over the horizon, right? And your parents explain, oh, that's because the Earth is a sphere, right? And it's shaped like like this, right? So, and they say that, that it goes over like this, right? So you can't see it, 
okay, over the horizon. And when you go to school, you know, in the classroom, they've got like a globe and there's like all these kids' science shows and a globe, right? They're like globe, globe, globe. Here's a globe. This is the earth, right? This is the earth. This is where you are. Okay. So it's like when you're a kid, you're like, that's where I am. Okay. And it's not because you um did any scientific investigation yourself. It's not because you got tools or telescopes or anything like that and did a measurement yourself. It's not because you did any calculation with stars or anything. You, you, you didn't come to this conclusion scientifically. Okay. This conclusion was reached during childhood. Okay. And it is an imprint. And that's why people believe it. Okay. So let, let me give you the model that goes with this. The model is that all celestial bodies are spheres, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the earth, they're all spheres, spheroids. And, you know, we're on this ball, this spheroid, and it moves around the sun 67,000 miles per hour. It moves 500,000 miles per hour around the center of the galaxy, and it moves 1.3 million miles per hour from, from the expansion due to the Big Bang, okay? And gravity does all the work of, you know, this moving in relation to that body and everything, right? It's just all gravity, the bending of space-time due to the, the mass effect on space-time itself, okay? So there are some extremely valid challenges coming out these days. Uh, you you may, not, may not be aware of these, but uh, these days people are they're going and they're getting these cameras that have these incredible zoom capabilities, right? And they're going to the exact same spot that people used to say, oh yeah, that's where you see the ships sail over the horizon, right? And they're taking these cameras that have uh, like 90 uh, times zoom and they're zooming in and they're saying, whoa, you know what? Those ships that I thought were over the horizon, they're not over the horizon at all. I can literally see them. And they're going, oh, wait, this whole idea of things vanishing over the horizon was just because they're so far away that my eyes just can't detect that there's a thing there. Okay. So people are like zooming in, you know, across like Lake Michigan and being like, whoa, there's Chicago, right? Like, well, you can actually see it 60 miles away, but the model of the flat of the globe Earth predicts that it should be covered by like hundreds of meters of, of you know, curvature water, right? And people are like, there it is. And now, people, you know, in response, people are saying, well, that's just because of refraction, right? And they just say, it's because of refraction. It's like, well, what specifically are you calculating here? What refraction? And people don't have any answer to that. They can't say, well, yeah, here's the mathematics for to calculate the refraction. They're just like, refraction. Okay, it's because of refraction. So it's a very interesting debate that's rising up right now. People are doing all sorts of things like going and searching for pictures of Antarctica. They're like, wait, there are no pictures of Antarctica here. And, you know, they're looking up NASA website and they're finding out that the pictures of the earth are actually just images of earth right they're not photographs right they're literally constructed in photoshop by admission right and if you don't believe me go and look like it just go to nasa type you know any you know just type earth from space the first thing that shows up will be uh, on google in the images will be what I'm talking about, just click on it and read the description. You will read that it's an image constructed, okay? Like NASA is admitting that they're composite images. It's like, whoa. So the the challenge is like got a lot of validity to it these days. You want to talk about the reaction, Brad? You want to take that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a, it's a fascinating thing going on right now. And it's important to point out that there are hundreds who knows, maybe thousands of people that have independently gone out and taken these pictures uh, or videos, right, with these zoom telescopic lenses. So, you know, the, for, for a while there, it, you know, the argument coming from a lot of people was that, you know, these are just some people that are out there to deceive you, right? It's a, it's a CIA psyop. That's what all this is. But, you know, over the years, there's just more and more and more people who, frankly, most of these people, and I'll include myself in this list, but the reason I got even interested in this topic because I was actually trying to disprove a buddy of mine. And a lot of people that do this are doing exactly that. And they 
uh, you know, shockingly come to realize that there's some validity to this argument. Your so, buddy was talking about the earth being flat and you were trying to disprove him. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Right. Yep. I was just looking for that one, you know, killer zinger explanation that I could say, here you go. There's no possible way it's flat because here's, here's the proof. Uh, you know, each time I thought I found something, he would provide me with, uh, you know, an alternative explanation that, you know, was, was viable. I kept going back to the drawing board. <laughs> anyway, you know, what's the reaction? So mm-hmm. right, you're an idiot. That's stupid. You've fallen for the CIA operation. Uh, anyone who believes the earth is flat is just crazy because we have thousands and thousands of pieces of evidence, all of which are really pictures and videos from uh, government agencies. That, that is our proof. And if we've learned anything, right. they even the present years, the moon landing is proof. They say right. we landed on the moon. There's proof. It's like, have you ever watched that? Most people haven't, and or not at least haven't with fresh eyes, right? They haven't gone back mm-hmm. and looked at some of the many millions of anomalies and question marks that go along with it. So, you know, obviously there's this refraction idea that's your favorite idea, right? That, that when, when people are able to zoom in beyond what, what they should be able to see with these cameras, the, the, the explanation across the board from the Globe Defenders is refraction. Even though yeah, one word, they don't really understand Not mathematics. It. Just refraction. They just say it's refraction. Yep. So, so apparently, all our cameras are able to pick up these refracted objects that go out of our vision. Right? We can't see them anymore with the you know the limits to the angular resolution and the lens in our eyes. But somehow, you know, the better angular resolution of the camera lenses are able to pick these things up again. But nope, it's refraction. That's the explanation. Right. Right. And you know. The, the diehard people react, you know, they won't, they're not going to go and check for themselves. This is perhaps the most, you know, damaging stance to take, but they, they're in complete denial and convinced that so much so that they won't go look for themselves. They don't trust anybody online that's done this, right? They're literally trusting the government. That's where they're at. Mm-hmm. That's the position they're in. The government's being truthful. All these Flat Earth nut jobs are a bunch of liars. That's their position, which is pretty shocking, mm-hmm. considering all the lies we've been told and many that have been exposed. I mean, today the Fauci files came out, so we'll get another wave of uh, of lies that are being exposed this very minute. Oh yeah. Oh no, but NASA they tell the truth, right? Right. It's just it's just the other all other government agencies lie, but NASA is like one hundred percent truthful. That's, I mean, that, that literally is the position you have to take. You know, I, I just like yeah. to add one little last thing in here is that, you know, the flat earth people understand the globe model better than most people who staunchly defend the globe because they had to figure out, you know, how this explanation or that explanation or this model or that model could be wrong or mistaken. They had to come up with ways to show that if you change this or tweak that or you know look at this then you can you can explain and this is one of the, the last things you know that the the globe globe defenders have is they're all their observations right so it's like it's the only way this observation is possible is if we're on a globe it can't be on flat earth and so i mean we're literally there's no science right but it's an observation that they claim so it's interesting right 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 the defense defenses that go up and what, one thing that nobody will do in this defending community is they won't, they can at least say, well, I can see how, if it were flat, how what you're saying could work, but it's you're right. But I'm still sticking with what I believe. They can't even do that. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot. Anyway, some big, uh, scary topics. What, what points are we trying to make here, Matt? <laughs> well Those are yeah i mean well whether whether our audience had it or they've heard someone else have such reactions to such topics you, you prob- probably heard either from yourself right now or from from others like oh you know these ideas are crazy right that's just crazy right and it can't be true because reason 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 and reason 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 and reason 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 but what's really happening here is it's the belief imprint in there that has this immense power 
right? It's very deep-seated. It is programmed the psyche to believe things that are a certain way. And all these like um, argumentative objections that are always so irrational and uh, absurd, really, like appeals to authority and just ans- answering with refraction. Do you understand refraction? No, probably not. Can you, can you calculate? If you can calculate the refraction and explain the refraction, okay, go ahead and do it. But if you're just answering refraction, okay, this is just the belief imprint firing its energy. Yeah, it's a defense so, mechanism. Do you want to do the therefores, Brad? Well, sure. I just wanted to say that every one of us, I mean, they're, they're, you probably can't exclude a single person that, that has not been subject to all these belief imprints that we oh, yeah. discussed today. All of us. And when we were faced with hearing about some of these things for the first time, I, I can say, you know, on all but one of the topics, I dismissed it out of hand, just like I would expect any of our listeners today that are hearing any of these for the first time, right? Just an insta dismissal. No way, not possible. You're crazy. So just want to, you know, empathize with all the listeners that we reacted the same way the first time. In fact, Matt, the, on this last one, Flat Earth, you you uh, rolled your eyes first time I brought it up to you, if I recall. Isn't that right? Yeah, it was only when I went and looked for myself, I was like, well, well, what what proof would just nail this? I was <laughs> like, well, let me see if I can get a picture of Antarctica. Let me see if I can get a photograph of Antarctica. But what I was met with was, oh, no, we can't get a photograph of Antarctica because satellites don't go that way. And we can't fly a plane over there because it's too cold and it's too dangerous. It's like, wow, can't get a photograph of Antarctica. Huh. Fancy yeah, that. Everybody's yeah, everybody's got their little thing that will, you know, tip tip the scales. But you know, I think the moral of the story here is if we can get anything across to our listeners today, it's don't dismiss any idea instantly. Right? Stop and think about it for a moment and give it a chance. Right. Don't roll your eyes. Mm-hmm. Don't call the person crazy. Right. You, you need to, if you want to get out of what we're asserting more or less here today, that you want to get yourself out of this false reality where you're giving your power away and not recognizing your true self, you're going to need to consider these as possibilities. That's, that's where you start. We would not one chance in a million, we would expect anybody to believe what we just stated here today. There's no way can't be done. So right. I, I think that's really what we're getting at here. We've got what here? We've got an advanced. Oh, you want to read the uh, advanced imprinting definition? It was a neat one. I liked it. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll read this up. Here we go. Right? I'm just going to read directly. An imprint can make you act logically, and it can make you believe things that aren't true. That's because imprints aren't based on your current reality. Okay. They come from a past moment or past reality or your perception of a past reality. You can grow out of them. But if you hang on to them, they keep you acting from an old place. They can hold you back from growth and stepping into into the now of your life. And just to give a source, that was from mindbodygreen.com. It it goes on, imprints are most deeply formed in childhood, but you can keep accumulating them throughout your entire life. It was a perfect explanation of what we're getting at today. So I just had to include that. So what do we got here? Advice. Yep. Fear your enemy for sure it is the yeah, great fear that the imprint is wrong right it's like whoa this imprint this what i believed is false that would make me what some gullible fool no it wouldn't make you a gullible fool it'd just make you one of everybody we we, we all believe these imprints when we're young don't be afraid everything's okay right. we have lies can be and i'm going to add and are used against us there's no question and Someday we'll we'll dive deeper into the subject. You know, one of the one of the quickest uh, responses you get from people on, on a lot of these topics we discussed today. Why why would they lie about this? Right? What's the point? What's the purpose? So a question that has to be sat, you know answered satisfactorily for a lot of people. And I understand why. So mm-hmm. recognize that 
the things that cause you to be frightened and or confused can and, and will be used against you. No question about it. What's the final word? Well, I think the final word has to be tied to the, you know, the bridge to self-discovery again and taking your power back. Like it, it comes back to what you said in the beginning that, you know, self-discovery is a lot about stopping believing that which isn't true. Okay. Like self-discovery is coming into alignment with truth of reality. And if you're believing uh, absurdities like that little microscopic things that you've never seen and no one has ever seen are out there trying to get you and that's that causes what you call sickness right if you if you're there instead of somewhere in, instead of a more empowered aligned perspective which is that these symptoms that you experience are I'm I'm just going to say indirectly related to real life events that are going on you know in your life. I won't go into any more detail than that. It, it, you know, if you don't make that transition then you're going to remain extremely frustrated and unable to deal with like health problems for example in this case, right? So if you stick with the lies then your life doesn't work how you think it should or how you want it to because you can't get what you want on a foundation of a false reality. Okay, so we're trying to invite people to take this journey of uh, self-discovery. And we talk about all these you know, lies that people believe about reality because they need to be discarded so that you can come into alignment with reality. And that's what self-discovery is partially about from 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 that perspective like it's alignment with yourself and it's alignment with reality and they're they're kind of the same thing right do you think i do you want to just improve that a little bit brad no i think you i, I think you said it perfectly we have to discard these the, the discarding of the false beliefs opens really opens us up to allowing truth to enter in mm -hmm. it's not not nearly as complicated as people think it's, for, and for a lot of these things right we don't we don't know the truth, right? Right. We don't know what the actual truth is. A lot of these things right. we discussed, what we what we know for sure. Well, what we think we know for sure now is that what we've been taught and told is not true. That's maybe as far as you'll yeah. get in a lot of these, but it opens us up, right? So hopefully everybody got a taste of, right? We didn't we didn't take one step forward in convincing people. Uh, that they've been fooled on the subjects we touched today, right? It was just a, we basically seeded a question into people's minds and hopefully they'll be willing to consider the possibilities of these things, right? We've got to do- I would at least assume that some steps were taken. Many, many, many podcasts, you know, can we squeeze it all into one on each of these topics, you know, a whole hour to to make our case? It may not be enough on a lot of these. So it just goes to show you that that first belief imprint it took one little story from a parent or a teacher or a friend, one little incident in childhood, and boom, you establish your belief on one moment, and it's going to take you know a hundred bullet points to even begin to unravel it. Interesting, mm -hmm. fascinating. So that's all I had today. Fantastic. I mean, I would just mention in terms of take your power back, like and we have this marvelous course, take your power back, and. You know, like to be able to face these lies that are in mainstream acceptance, to, to be able to like just look them dead in the eye and contemplate them, it takes some sort of inner strength and inner, inner courage, right? Because it's like scary. Because like they like if that if what we've believed historically turns out to be false, then it, there's some sort of implication. Well, well, then what's true? That's a bit scary. Right, but when when you do you take the take your power back course, it brings you to such a place of inner strength, courage, you become so aligned with yourself, and you know you're in your heart space and not just like a frantic mess in your head that you can actually face these things and you have the power to move through them, you know, calmly and come out the other side feeling fantastic. So. Just look around the mindblownzone.com, take a look at Take Your Power Back, and really 
know, seriously consider getting involved with that because it's just fantastic. Okay. Okay. How do you feel, Brad? Fantastic. Yeah. No, I think that's great. It, it becomes a joy to uh, pursue the truth once you get through some of the early hurdles. The course is specifically designed to very little intellectual material, a lot more experiential material, which is what mm -hmm. is really required to uh, makes you feel make better. A, make a hasty move through all the static and nonsense that we are immersed in in this matrix. <laughs> Fantastic. Right on. All right. Thanks a lot, Brad. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thanks everybody for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast next week.